The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast, will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Alex, and sometimes I absolutely hate social media. I know we'll be alright, I know we'll be alright, I know we'll be alright forever. What is up, y'all? You thought we were done. We're not. We never die. We are here right now. We had to do an extra episode because the way that we do this podcast um, is that I get to talk to Catherine, who shout out to Catherine as we end this season, like just absolutely fantastic and, and works so hard on this podcast. Like you're you're just absolutely I know you can hear me right now and you're going to have to edit this and you can't cut this out. I'm, I'm not going to let you. But you're absolutely fantastic. Um, and, and it's just so much fun. But we just talk about what we want to talk about. So we're like, you know what, let's give them a bonus episode. And this episode is going to be talking about Instagram. And I want to preface this whole thing because I'm very, very lucky that I that I've been able to, to build an amazing group of people who support this journey that I'm on, especially on Instagram. Instagram. Um, so I don't want this to be me kind of looking this gift horse in the mouth and and just pretending that it's not an awesome thing that can be used in an amazing way. But I think it was very important to me and, and to Catherine to talk about the reality of the negative aspects of social media, especially Instagram. I will be the first one on this podcast to say I I'm going to I'm just going to come out and say it. I facetune my photos sometimes. I still do. I still do to this day. If I have like a big pimple on my forehead or if I feel a little bit bloated or this or that, and I do it. And it's the worst thing because I don't know what makes me do it, but everybody that I talk to also does it and we all do it. And it was just one of those things where I just remember thinking about it and being like, "Yo, that's not that's not right, right? Like we're not all just faking what we look like because one person did it or one person actually looks like that so we all have to try and fake our way there and that's just one aspect of it you know i i see people who i know flexing this this the a brand new car or a brand new watch or you see people who i know aren't necessarily in the happiest relationship posting about how amazing their their relationship is and and i think it's not about 
telling everybody exactly what's going on, but I think that we've reached a certain level, especially in, in the last few years, of just over overhyping what's going on and not talking about the reality of things. I actually, one of the through lines of this last year, especially with with everything going on in society, one of my through lines that I saw was that it did get real for a sec. It got very real for a second. I think it kind of shed a light on the idea that we can be real, that we can stand up for what we believe in and we can be who we really are and we can talk about all of that. Uh, I have some amazing guests on today and we're going to get into them for a bit. But first, I just, I couldn't stop but think, is anything on Instagram real? What is up? This is Let's Get Into It. I'm Alex Iono. This is my podcast. This is the last, this is, I promise, the actual last. Like, we're not doing another encore after this. This is the end, the final. And we're talking about Instagram and its effects on reality, how Instagram changes reality. And I have two absolutely fantastic guests on here today. One of them is is I, I we have the craziest story that we're going to get into of how we know each other or the way that we actually ended up connecting with each other. He is an absolutely phenomenal artist. The, I, the idea of a journeyman, a man that I know is proof that good people in the industry win, that you can be happy, you can have the American dream of a life with a beautiful wife and a beautiful child. Just became a dad this last year. So many amazing things. Released his brand new single, Blueberry Eyes. Dropped a remix of it. Everything. You might know him. My favorite song of his is Still Lights Down Low. I know it's I know it's corny to say, but he is one of my favorite artists. And he also sent me a Rubik's Cube. If you know, I love Rubik's Cubes. And his got he's just got the best merch in the game. He is my friend. And I'm so happy to say that he's my friend. The one and only Max. What's up, man? Brother, so happy to be on, on the podcast. Thanks for having Dude, me. Dude, I'm so happy that you're here. And and you, of all people, you know, like I mentioned, not only just in the social media realm, but you understand the journey. You know, you understand yeah. what it takes to be an artist. All of the good, all of the bad all of the ugly. So mm -hmm. I'm excited that we get to jump into it. Too, man. Um, also with us, I have a writer, a perfectionism expert. I had never heard of this term and it's so cool. A perfectionism expert, the founder of Monday Vibes, which is a personal growth newsletter and a network for women. Um, she studied burnout and perfectionism at Columbia University. Uh, if you don't know what that is, a major school. Um, and if you don't know what that is, you probably won't get, get there. Um, and is currently working on her first book, right now the one and only elizabeth sue how are you i'm so good thank you for having me oh thank you for being here i mean i think it's what i love about this setup and again catherine love you to death because you really set this up perfectly is we have somebody who's an expert on this exact topic that we're talking about and you have two people including myself who are living it like still to this day are living it so we're mm -hmm. going to be getting into some sick topics uh first one being that instagram isn't real. Uh, the second topic is going to be that we're just consumed by our screens. And last but not least, we're going to be all talking together about taking the control back into our own hands. But before we get into that, I have a question that I ask every single one of my guests. This is the last time that I get to ask this question for the season. I, and I, I think next season we'll have a new question because we've gotten a ton of different answers. That question is, what have you been doing this week to improve yourself, your life, you know, anything? There's, I, I, one time I talked about how I built a garden and another time how I talked about how I let myself eat a donut every day for a week. So we've done, there, no answer is off, is off limits. I would say for me, the biggest thing that I've been doing is it's something that I used to do all the time and then I stopped doing it for a while. It's making my bed in the morning. And I remember watching this like old, I don't know if it was a TED talk or it was like a speech about, uh, and this like uh, this military vet 
was talking about when you make, you know, when you make your bed in the morning, you've you've you start your day by accomplishing something and it sets you on the right path. It also reminds me that I'm not allowed to get back in bed until it's bedtime. Cause if I'm, especially staying in a hotel right now, I look at that bed and I'm like, mm, damn, that shit looks just phenomenal <laughs> right now. Uh, so I've been making my bed. That's something that I've been doing, and uh, and I, and it's always good to get back on track to stuff. Especially for me, I'm I'm very much so a systems person, and mm -hmm. uh, and so having my bed made and clean reminds me that that's also how I am. I am well made. I'm clean, and I'm ready for whatever. So that's what I've been doing. Max, you got something for me? You'd get along with my wife really well. She <laughs> she. I lost a bet to her and I had to make the bed all week the way that she likes to do it, which is very military style. Tuck the front into the, into the You're back. You're full house, like full housekeeper. Oh yeah. She's like two pillows on the top. That wasn't right. She would, she would get, she got upset with me because I put the two pillows behind the blanket instead of over the blanket. So, but I felt, I did feel accomplished. So that's a good one. I tried to do a no phone day with the family on the weekends, like a Saturday. Mm. And I did it on Saturday and we took a trip. We brought our baby to the beach for the first time and she like felt the way. Oh my gosh. Pretty cute. And I think I realized how, and it's funny with this episode, I realized how attached I am. I always do when I do this. Cause I just, I actually give the phone to Emily and she hides it somewhere in the house. So I have no idea where it is. And then we leave. And mm. it was the drive back. Cause we're listening to music stuff. It was the drive back where her friend was in the front and she was on her phone. And I, and I felt it. I was like, oh, I wish I had my phone right now. I would be able to, but when you don't have it, you both realize, right. you know, how you use it. But also I definitely feel more present. I was looking out at the, you know, driving on the PCH and I'm looking at the waves when I probably would have been on my phone. And it definitely puts things in perspective. Absolutely. There you go. I, that we're, we're, we're already here. We're talking about the topic. Yeah. Elizabeth, what, what, what have you been doing this week to improve yourself? Oh, I love that example. I both of your examples, I've been reflecting a lot on getting better at relaxing and both the physical sense of not needing to be busy and productive all the time, but also in the spiritual sense of just letting go of control and trusting that things will work out the way that they're supposed to. And both of those aspects are very difficult for me. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I can, I, I can get behind it. Well, I'm glad that we're talking about it then today because uh, we're literally going to figure out how to fix it or at least take the right <laughs> steps in the right direction. So, Max, you and I, we're going to go one-on-one -on -one first. Elizabeth, you can sure. take a break and we'll be with you in just a sec. So, again, Max, because we're about to get into and I want you to be able to be free to talk about how bad of a phone addict you are because I'm going <laughs> to talk about it myself. Yeah. I want to start by talking about how really, truly, like, incredible of a person Max is. Max met yeah. my dad. I was, <laughs> I couldn't have been more than 12 or 13 years old. Mm -hmm. And my dad, if you don't, you've heard him on the podcast. If you haven't, go check out that episode. My dad is talkative and will always talk to anybody, especially if he sees, <laughs> especially if he sees a musical instrument of any kind. <laughs> but uh, my dad sat next to Max on an airplane and Max had had a ukulele in, uh, like he was traveling with one. And um, I don't remember the conversation, you probably remember the conversation yeah. better, but that's what exactly what makes me just it, it reminds me all the time of how just a good of a person max is uh he had a, this conversation was when i was i was probably like 12 and i remember my dad was like i met this guy and he's on a he's on a tv show and he's <laughs> awesome and you should be like him and da, da 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 and i was just like all right cool i met max then for the first time 2017. Mm -hmm. i don't remember i just remember you meeting your dad i don't remember where you met for the first time though i was 20. 
yeah. was like 20 years old. This was eight years later. Wow. And I met I met Max, and I was like, I think my dad sat with you on an airplane. And no lie, he goes, was his name Martin? Like, full-blown <laughs> remembers my dad, and it was a conversation on an airplane. I've had so many conversations on an airplane, and I couldn't tell you. I couldn't even tell you. I couldn't point him out in a crowd if, it was, if that happened. Like, <laughs> no, you could not convince me that I had met somebody on an airplane. And I just I, – it, it it's still to this day – so special to me that 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 is um, also if you talk to anybody in the industry who has been able to work with Max or meet Max or know Max or even see Max in concert, you will never hear a bad thing about him. You're just like, I'm just so happy that we got you here because you are the epitome of good people do win in the end. Like good people, if you're a good person, you know, the character matters. You know what I mean? So I'm uh, again, I'm going to absolutely just light you up like the star that you oh, are uh, you, on this podcast you gorgeous man thank you i appreciate you baby thank you for that the being said <laughs> that being said pick your poison what's your what's what's the social app that you're just addicted to i mean it's all of them for sure uh but but i'd say the one that's most toxic to me is twitter i'd mm. say instagram i get the most addicted to i get lost in it the most i'll scroll through yeah. it the most and then I I try man I tried it when I'm I I haven't taken the deep dive to TikTok I feel like I I am in the TikTok game but when I take the deep dive it's almost as bad as Instagram but for some reason I don't let myself go there but with Instagram it's so comfortable mm. that you know it's like I go to get a midnight snack and I happen to have my phone and that's the one I'm turning to to just scroll and then you get lost yep. Ugh, that one Twitter to me is hard too I think Twitter is actually the hardest on my mental health because yeah. it's so um the people who are good at it are fantastic at it and get <laughs> insane likes and it, and it's like one of those things where i feel like with instagram i know at the end of the day if i if i decided to do like some thirst trappy like shirtless this then like <laughs> it's gonna like you kind of know how to get likes right like on instagram yeah. and on twitter it's different like you don't know like you could tweet i could tweet like peanut butter sandwich and it could get 40,000 likes and I could tweet the funniest joke of all time and it gets 10 likes. And it's just like, I think the, as a person, like I'd mentioned somebody of systems, like there's no system to Twitter. It's just as so random. And that's why I love using it as a fan of it because you find the, <laughs> just the stupidest, craziest, most absurd humor, but also you're like, how do you how do you crack the code? You know. Yeah, it's raw. Stan Twitter is the is the most oh, toxic. Oh, Stan thing Twitter there goes is. hard, and you are and you're so heavily in the K-pop and uh and like the pop world, and those fan those like stands are a full blown like military force. Yeah. of just power. I love Twitter because of the freedom of information. I would say it, it's, mm. but the downside to that is that there isn't a lot of checks and balances. That I mean besides the obvious where they like kick Trump off Twitter and all that. But I feel like as just a society of it, things can spread so quickly, which is Mm. kind of beautiful because a lot of these social medias, the, you know, they, they really, they, they go into the algorithm and then you actually don't get to see what you actually signed up for. You know, it's like, yeah, someone else, like my wife asked me yesterday, do my photos even come up on your feed anymore? And it's so bizarre because she's my wife, but I mean, I see her all the time. So I'm not constantly searching her. So it doesn't put her stuff on my feed. But with Twitter, at least I know it really, it's like what SoundCloud was for music in the beginning where people, you really could just spread each other's stuff in a really beautiful Mm -hmm. way. And it wasn't really algorithmic based, but I feel like it also, again, 
things can be fake and it gets spread so quickly and it's just that's it really does have a double-edged sword effect it all does though yeah i think you are you had already talked about it um with the uh, one of my questions was like do you have any things that set like that help you set limits on using your phone or being <laughs> on so you already answered that with your with your previous answer but what got you there what made you what was the moment that you go Oof. you know was it having your daughter was it you know, being with, did you have a moment where you were like, wow, I'm really just locked into this or this isn't well, this isn't good for me. It just affected me too much. And then I was realizing these are tools. They're not our life. And I think there's a fine mm. balance and, and it's our, we, for what we do, it's really important to utilize these tools to put our work out there. And oftentimes it, it you know, it makes the work even bigger if it's used in the right way. So it's hard not to be obsessed with it when you know it has the power to spread what you've been working months or years on. And you can't just discount it. And Emily always says this to me too. It's like, it is a part of our job in a, in a way now. And I think that for me, I realized though that I was spending too much time like looking at what everybody said. Too much time in the comments, too much time mm -hmm. really diving in and then you know, it's the classic, I would see something bad and I'd keep looking for more bad Ugh. just because you see the good and you, you, you scroll through that. You don't, you yeah. don't put as much weight into it. And once you get the bad, oh, it just deeper and deeper in your gut. And I think especially, and you're the same way, there's, a, there's an empathetic feeling to it where you don't just see these as fake accounts. You see these as people on the other side of a screen saying this. And so when you think of it that way and you think they'd have the, you know, the audacity to say, but the thing that really made me realize it recently through a few different journeys was I realized that we put ourselves in this position. What we do is we say we have, you know, a movie or an album or songs and we put them out there and you just really, it's the acceptance of people are going to hate it or they're going to mm -hmm. love it. It really has to, you have to be okay with the polarization because if you just do what you think people are going to like, you're you're just gonna stay in the middle, and it's it's hard because you do take it personally because it's so deeply personal, and it always will be. And you're totally. And the thing that's crazy too is is it it's all about self confidence, right? Like yeah. When you start listening, I remember when I was I think I was like 18, and I had and I had just booked or I just uh, released uh, the first season of Royal Crush or the second season. And I wasn't fit, like I wasn't as fit as I am now. I wasn't like as like about fitness. And I was like a little, you know, like a little frumpy dad bod like ass. And I remember the episode where I was shirtless, all of the comments. And, I, and it's like you said, like good comments are, are, I wish that I cared about good comments as much as I care <laughs> about bad comments. Like yeah. I'll scroll through and I'm like, I don't care if you liked it. I don't care if you liked it. Not, not re if you're listening to this, I don't actually feel like that. But when you're not in the right yeah. headspace, you're just searching like, yeah, but who's, where's the, where's the criticism? And I remember screenshotting a comment that was like, Alex would be the biggest star in the world if he wasn't so fat. Mm. And I remember that comment to this day and I screenshotted it and I made it my wallpaper. I cared so much because like you said, there's a person when it's, when you think about it, it's like that's a person and my job is to make people happy. And that person's not happy that I'm this. And you kind of, you really turn yourself. And I think another thing that it really does is it, it turns an album, right? Like for instance, your album, absolutely beautiful. I still listen to Acid. Like literally, it's my it's my first my warm up song for everything. Thanks, man. I know it's your gym thing. That's so rad. I love that. When you're creating a piece of art and you have that in your mind, no matter what it is, it's an album. It's this. It's that. You're already pre preparing for 
what comments are going to come. Well, okay, well, it has to be this because I don't want people to say that I'm not this and, I, mm -hmm. and it has to be that. It really changes subconsciously. It changes your full like self-confidence. For me, it's my weight. You know, it has always been my weight. And I've done, we've had episodes talking about binge eating. It's always been my weight. And I'm so happy that I finally found a place where I work out for me and I don't work out because I don't want people to comment about it. For me, it's, it's, it's all about my weight and it was always about my skin until I, mm. until I luckily ended up clearing it up. Is there anything specific for you that mm. you're like, I, that it's really, social media is really messed up? It's not, you know, it's interesting. It's not a specific physical trait or anything like that. I think it's just, um, yeah, it's just the striving for my best, I guess. And I mm. guess this is truly recently the acceptance of people just not liking even your best, your personal best, because it's just, they're just not into it, you know? And that's hard when you know that you're striving for that, when you're trying right. to put what you feel is the best you can offer out. And then the realization that it's just some people just don't like that thing. Like some yeah. people just hate rap. Some people just hate country. Some people, mm -hmm. and even if it's the best damn country music you will ever hear, <laughs> like Dolly Parton is my is my idol. And if someone says, I remember I told a really good friend of mine, I was like, oh yeah, man, Dolly wrote me this letter. It was the craziest thing in my life. I, I have to make a song with her, whatever. And she was like, oh, Dolly Parton, what? And the thought that I could worship this person and another person could hate yeah. them, is mind blowing, but then when you're in our position, it just, I think it makes it less harsh because then you just realize, man, I mean, but imagine if she tried to convince, if Dolly Parton tried to convince that person who didn't like her, mm -hmm. oh, you should like me. It's like, that wouldn't be something she'd do. She just brushes it off, baby. And you just, oh, the more we can brush it off, whatever it may be. But that acceptance and that self-confidence, like you're saying, finding mm -hmm. that, the more that you have that armor for what we do, you just keep building that, big ass, you know, coat and suit of armor. Exactly. The better it feels when it does, it just, it just starts to just ping off of you. If you know that, you know, you couldn't have given it any better than, than what you gave. That's, I, I'm so glad that you're on this episode because I think you have such a good grasp on what is real. Like you're kind of not necessarily on the other side of it now, but you're experiencing it in real time. And you're also having, you're experiencing it with the knowledge of, Hey, this is this, you're very, it's a very grounded sense. Um, and I think because it's such a grounded sense, you are so good at it. Like, like it's everything you post feels like authentic, right? Everything from the curated whole page of yellow to, <laughs> you know, to the photo shoots and everything thematically is just, mm, this, it's just clean and precise. I think a lot of people see that. And, and again, as anybody with a following, they'll see that and they'll think, that it's the that it takes the same amount of effort as somebody who's just posting a picture you know they're at the beach and they snap a quick flick but because a lot of people then try and compare how they post to how we post or how mm -hmm. uh, somebody who's who puts in hours and hours to edit pictures and 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 set up photo shoots and and drive you know at sunrise to the certain location so that they can get this amazing shot i think a lot of people compare how they post and making sure that they look good and doing all of this, I think it started spiraling downwards. And so I think a big piece of, of helping change that narrative is getting real about mm -hmm. how we get things done. You know, like I remember a Wonderland photo shoot last year that I did and I look like I looked awesome. I had my six pack and my hair was perfect Afro and it was like amazing. And people are like, wow, like you look so effortless in this. I remember that term effortless. You look effortless in this picture. And I was just like, are you, do you know what it took to get to that? Like <laughs> I was eating 
I was eating kale and dreams for breakfast. And then I would have like egg white, like, and I was just working out and I worked out for that one photo shoot. And then after that photo shoot was done, I had a huge in and out burger and I did this whole nine and all of that. So can you help elaborate on how much effort really goes into something? Cause you are, I really feel like just one of the top pages to follow when it comes to having that cohesive thing. I mean, we're talking glam squad, we're talking hair and makeup, <laughs> and we're talking a backdrop and we're talking props and all of this stuff. What, what do you feel like people don't really fully understand that goes on behind the scenes to create something that people compare their everyday life to? One of my newest favorite things is it's a both. It's like for the album cover, for example, I think people thought the Rubik's Cube was Photoshopped, but we built this giant life-size Rubik's Cube and, you know, I took photos on it and stuff. And I think it's the combination of that for what we do that's fun. It's like showing we actually built that. So it is a little, it's hard to do, but also it's physical. You can, you know, it, it's not like we're aliens, we're humans mm -hmm. and somebody became a workshop person and they built that because that's what they do and i think if anything it's just you know be obsessive with with what you do what you love and your vision and then on the other side i've realized i i really like the whole disposable thing now like a lot of the, if it's not bad it's the opposite it's like something i can't edit at all or just right. disposable shots from the studio whatever so that it, it i have no way for one it's just there it's not like i could you know i could edit the photo or anything else and hopefully that rawness is something that comes across but also i feel like why i've loved it recently is too because the rawness of those photos always just feels like a moment in time and i feel like we lose that with instagram and all these things like we're always we're using it like you're saying there's people at the beach or whatever else and and we're like we're doing something for instagram rather than right. doing something and sharing it with the world yeah wow um, that's that I feel like that's and I I'm a, I'm I'm this I'm with it man I did that I've just recently and this is hugely because of Emily because I have a baby and you just realize that time is such a different construct when this little human is going to change so quickly um it's not that you can't use these things I know this is kind of a tangent of what you were asking but I, I just I think it's one of those things where yes it's like a gymnast goes in and you see them do you know triple spins and it looks effortless like you were saying but um but in the end it takes so much time and work to do that but also that's their thing and i mm -hmm. feel like you know when you're creating these visual worlds for music or you know for videos like what we're doing and it is very clean and pristine that's what we do though that's the time we're mm -hmm. doing and you don't have to don't replicate that do you i love there's this tiktok account and she's just a beekeeper and she just shows she i goes, love yeah, that tiktok account she's the best it's the and you know what i'm obsessed i'm obsessed because it is raw and mm -hmm. you know she, she i'm sure she takes photos of the beach too but sure clearly her thing is she's obsessed with these yeah. bees she goes places she makes these videos so finding your thing that mm -hmm. is so you're obsessed with that's uniquely you that doesn't feel like work because you're working so hard at it but you're not drained by it absolutely that's that's, that's what we should be using these tools to spread and share because we all have that thing whatever it is to us i feel like at the end of the day it just comes down to being authentic you know, yeah. it's authenticity. It's being yourself. And you, again, are, I think it's like, you're such, you're like, be, I think because I'm lucky enough to know you, I see, and I'm like, dude, that's him. Like people, if, if you want to, you don't have to ask, oh, what's Max like? Like literally look at his posts. Like that's who Max is, you know? And that's something that I think we should all strive to do. Like we should all be authentic. And I think if on social media, everybody was just their authentic selves, we can still post, you know, your your beach pic where you worked really hard and you have an at least six pack and you're feeling great and you're confident. 
But authenticity is like so huge. I, I have a lot of other friends and not to call them out or, and, and I'm not going to say any names, but I have friends who I'm like, why are you posting that? Like, you're not, that's not you. Like, that's not, you're talking about, you know, life is great. Life is this. And then you're calling me crying, like, or, or, or the opposite. Like you, somebody just bought a new Lamborghini and is like, life is good. And I'm like, life's not, life's not good. Like we're in the middle of a pandemic. That probably wasn't a financially smart idea to do. Like sometimes I get upset or I have to like, I find myself having to like mute people. Like if you had to, have you had to mute anybody? Like, because you're just like, either there, you don't feel like they're being their most authentic self or what they're posting isn't relatable because it's not, it's not off. It's not a real thing that people go through. I've had to do that. And honestly, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to admit it. I've had to do it to friends. Like I've had to do it to like really good friends of mine, you know, because it, it, it that authenticity is huge. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally, man. I feel like it's, it's always tough when you know the person so well and you feel like if anything, sometimes it just feels like it's, they're, they're just reaching out for help. And I even see with haters, you know, I've, I've really tried to recently realize that hating Anybody who criticizes all the time or hates all the time, they're just looking for someone else to connect with who also mm. feels that way. It's just another yeah. tool to utilize to say, I just, you know, did you hate the weekend Super Bowl performance? Like, this is why I hate it. It's like, and it, which is, by the way, the most polarizing performance you could do those oh stages. Oh, my gosh. Because I thought he was fantastic and I thought he did a great job. And I know what it you invest and people are like how do you spend that's, it's what it's it like, takes it what it takes you see those thousand people on the field who you think's paying for that who did the yeah. rehearsals the covid test all this stuff it's like people wonder but point being i think you know but he also puts himself on that stage and therefore that stage can be criticized yeah. and as long as he keeps doing his thing no matter what people are saying amen to him and i feel that's like that's a win yeah exactly but those kinds of people i try to cut out more and more in my life, like you're saying, maybe muter. When I just see that it's constant criticism and hate, it's not even to make better. It's it's almost like that's their identity is yeah. to criticize or hate. And to the point where I just feel like, where what do you love then? Like, yeah. okay, then I see find what you the good. hate. Exactly. I, I see what you hate, but where's, you know, it's like there's this dude, um, Anthony Fantano, he's a music critic. And personally, I'm into him because I just feel like he really does give love where, it's, where he feels it's due and maybe he gives criticism where he feels it's due. But I do appreciate that it is both. It isn't just a guy who's just like, this album sucks, this album sucks. He goes, mm -hmm. this album's a masterpiece and here's why I feel it. So yeah. at least with those, like if I, those are the kinds of people I, I, I don't want in my life as much who just feel like they're draining you more than they're giving you energy. Right. And that that's not worth it. It's not about being positive all the time because that I think is also a huge, a yeah. huge problem. Totally. It's about being authentic. I think just authentic, you know, and, and again, I, I can't, I cannot iterate it enough. It's just awesome seeing your face, man. Um, and by the way, forgot to say great bowler, a great bowler. Um, <laughs> when, when life is, when life is back to normal and bowling, isn't the weirdest germiest thing in the world. Oh my God. We'll, we'll have to have, I have to come to a bowling night. Um, Hell but yeah, man. you really are, a th you, you're, you are the same max whether we are in like whether I've seen you at a at a in a large group of people, whether I'm sitting in your dressing room, whether we're in the DMs, whether you're posting on social media, whatever it is, like you are always the same. And your fans, I feel like, get to see that and sleep peacefully knowing that you're not like one of those, by the way, these people are real, secret, like awesome positive celebrities who like behind closed doors is being a psychopath, like and, and treating everybody <laughs> like garbage, right? So the people that follow you online who love your posts, who are super happy, um, 
but might be missing what your biggest message that you want is. I would love to hear what is, what is the biggest message that Max on social media and in life would love for his followers to, to feel and understand. Honestly, I just want them to find what I was saying, their obsession. Cause I think we all have that thing that we feel guilty that we enjoy doing so much whatever it is. Like my wife, for example, she is so great at shopping. And that sounds funny, but as a style, she yeah, does her all style, my styling by the way, videos. Emily's style is immaculate. So good. She does, she's dressing our baby like a little queen. And, <laughs> and I think for a long time, and I mean, she can't spend all her money that we have left, you know, <laughs> baby's got to go to college, but I do, there was a second where, you know, I was telling her like, I hate shopping, which sounds crazy too, but like, don't put me in a store for hours. Don't do any of these things. And she really, she loves it. She'll spend hours looking for the best outfits and it doesn't drain her. Mm. It's she's into that. And I see the joy, but I sometimes see the guilt in her face thinking that like, you know, that's not, that's not a job or she's not doing a great job doing it, but that is it. And I only mm. hope that because people are their happiest when they do find that obsession mm. that they're into and they realize that they shouldn't feel guilty for it because someone like me hates shopping, which sounds crazy, but if you love it, you're meant to do it. If you love being a trainer, if you love being a doctor, I want the doctor who's obsessed with being a doctor to yeah. be my doctor. The person who deliver our baby, that woman walked in her name, she, I'll, whatever I'll say, her name. her name is Dr. Bliss, best name ever. Oh my God. And this woman, this woman shows up every day and she loves bringing babies into the world. That's who you want. So yeah. all I can hope is that those people out there hopefully see how obsessed I am with what I get to do to the point where I have to put my phone away mm -hmm. because I'm just looking at more music. And I hope they find that because everybody deserves to have that in their life. Well, my guy, I'm going to use the line that you you gave me in, uh, in when I got my nice little merch pack. You have the voice of an angel and the heart of one too, oh, my you. friend. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Elizabeth and I are going a deep, deep dive into what's going on behind the screens. Don't go anywhere. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way is getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark 
more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back, and I am here with, this is, I still can't, I still love this title, a perfectionism expert. And we're going to figure out what that means. Elizabeth Sue is here with us. Elizabeth, how are you today? I'm so good. I can't wait. I, this is a topic near and dear to my heart, so I can't wait I know. to get into it. <laughs> I know you're an expert in all of this, but we do have to start the same way I started with Max. What's your poison? What is it that gets you hooked? Oh, God. You know, I think it's a toss-up between the constant checking. Like, it's... I'm like making dinner. I'm like in line. I, I'm waiting for a friend and I just can't stop checking. Um, mm -hmm. And that that feeling of like, what did I miss? I hate that feeling because it's I literally didn't miss. My husband's like, what do you think changed in between yeah. the three seconds that you just checked? And it makes me feel crazy. Mm -hmm. And then my other big. uh big thing that just destroys my mental health is comparing myself to others. It is, oh, yeah. it's running a business and as a writer trying to get published, it's just constant. She's doing it better. They have a bigger following. They have better connections. Like I am a worthless piece of crap. Like it, right. it gets dark so quickly. So I'm going to just take an awesome segue because you describe yourself as a self-love evangelist. You just said that. That being said, does social media teach us anything positive about self-love or is it all negative? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think in your conversation with Max, like I really loved it. That actually brought me, me a lot of joy because it did bring me back to the good things yeah. about it. And I am also you know, on this journey of building a community and building an audience. And for so long, it did feel very frustrating. And it felt very toxic. Like, it was it was hard for me to separate that business strategy from my self love journey of trying not to tie my worth to people's approvals of me and likes and comments and followers is exactly people's approval of you. So it's really it's been very confronting, but I think you're right in what social media does do is it brings people together from around the world in a very cool way. And I've seen that happen. And I think for me, because I can't ditch it, 
I don't think any of us can, especially where we are right now in the pandemic. And so it's trying to figure out how to make it work for you and take take the good. And I think for me, it's showing up as as you were saying, as authentically as I can and putting myself Mm -hmm. out there and hoping that hoping that that is enough. And if it isn't, at least I can go to bed feeling like I was in integrity and I was continuing to put one foot forward on trying to feel good about myself. Absolutely. I mean, that's, but that's why I love your, your title is amazing. Self-love evangelist, like an evangelist, like you're, you're not claiming that you are, that you have all the answers. You're not like a professor of self-love. Like (laughs) you are an evangelist. Like you're, you're also going through it. You're just trying to help others get there too, you know? And so I think it is important for us to, to find the things that social media can teach us about self-love. That's why I love, like, you'll have those, I love seeing my favorite things to see on, on Instagram are weight loss journeys. Like people who are like, I lost a hundred pounds this year and you go in those comments and it's so like, yes, you got this and you see it. And I think a lot of people, especially me, like I see those and it does inspire me to go, you know what? I want to do that because, because I see how happy they look and I see all of these things and it gives you, and, and I think a lot of times for me, especially, I feel like fitness is a way of me giving myself self love because I'm giving my body Mm. what it needs and I'm taking care of myself And you see things like that. And there are definitely moments, you know, it's those glimmers of of light that are just so helpful, you know, or I wish there was like, I don't know if there's like a social media app that only is that stuff. But yeah, I feel like we spend and actually studies show that we spend like three times more energy and more free time on apps that are draining like social media can be than the ones that actually enrich our lives like a meditation app or a or an app that that uh what's that app that i use that like you you start a clock and it grows a tree and if you use your app then the tree if you use your phone then the tree dies um <laughs> things like that like we use we spend three times more of our free time there right and max and i were just talking about how we search for the bad comments. We're trying to like, we're almost like going for it. Why do you feel like we can't stop using social media even when it makes us feel bad? Sometimes even because it makes us feel bad. Absolutely. It's it's very intentional. The forest app. Thank you, Catherine. The forest app. That's what it's called. I got myself a little forest. And I love I love that. No, I think it I think that's where that's kind of where we have to begin and we have to give ourselves and each other grace and compassion for the fact that that is literally what social media is designed to do is to pick at your insecurities and scarcity and all these things that get us hooked and get us addicted and want because it psychologically that's what it was built around and the likes and the comments and the follows all of that hits our pleasure centers in our brain so of course we would want more of that. And so I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind when you're feeling it's, I always think about this. It's like, there's nothing worse than feeling bad about feeling bad. So when you're like starting to like hate on yourself for not being able to get your social media addiction under control or disconnect, like we, it's kind of at this point, we all know what we should do. We all know, you know, we'd live happier, more peaceful lives if we meditated and we drank a lot of water and we exercised and we didn't, didn't spend a lot of time on our phones, but spent time in nature. Like we all know that. And yet we are in this digital age where right. for so many of us, it is a part of our business. It's how we make money. And until, 
you know, capitalism dies, it's kind of going to have to be something that we think about. And so I, I think it is important to just keep that in mind when you start to feel insecure about that to have compassion for just what is actually at play. Mm -hmm. How do you think we discern between I'm being enriched right now? Because I think criticism, you know, like Max said, he has his favorite like critics who and I and I we we just dropped Finding Ohana and there's critics and I love reading the critics like who actually have things that I think are constructive. Uh, but how do we tell? How, how can the listener at home who's like, well, sometimes I look at Instagram and I feel really good, but sometimes I feel bad, but sometimes I feel bad, but it's good. And sometimes I feel good, but it's bad. How do we discern whether we're being enriched or drained by oh Instagram or another platform? Like that is the life. That's what we're all trying to that's like what we're achieve in, search in of, life. Huh? <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm trying to practice every day in relationship, you know, all the business opportunities, everything is, is that discernment. And what I love about what you just shared about all the different versions of emotions around social media is to be aware that it, it, it can be different. Mm. And it actually, I think, comes back to your own heart and your own body and where you are at, because we tend to think so much outside ourselves, like what is this thing doing to us and how do Mm -hmm. we then change our behavior? But I think we can flip it and take stock in how we are feeling in any given moment and kind of take that lead. And so I know for me, if I'm feeling very raw and vulnerable and I go on social media, it's almost like my ego is going to latch on to things that are going to fuel that fire of mm-hmm. worthlessness, yeah. of feeling unworthy. And so I, I try to, you know, I don't get it right every time because I am <laughs> indeed imperfect. <laughs> um, yeah. I, you know, try to check in with myself. How am I feeling today? And have that intention going into whatever mm-hmm. it is that I'm doing usually for for business and and then kind of step out step out of that and to see how that is making me feel but i think when you have that constant scroll and that constant checking you can go so quickly from like ooh, like this is a tool or this is i just did this like really fun ig live right um listen to this cool podcast and sharing that with your community to like oops i just got triggered by this like person over here doing this thing that upset me over here so it can fluctuate so quickly absolutely i i totally agree with you like it's it's so easy to jump like the switch over i could be watching one i could be looking at one post and feel incredible and it's like it's kind of like um a slot machine you know like yes. you you might you must swipe one time and you're like oh my gosh like i love that sad video to that sad song about like the son who pays off his parents debt and you're just yeah. like love awesome and then the next post you're seeing like a riot and you're just like oh okay uh, all right like <laughs> there's nothing there right and and so outside of that um and getting more into the your, your personal experience and i think a lot of people are dealing with this and you're obviously a perfectionism expert and you've also talked about your drive for perfection and how you had to overcome that and i relate with that so much i remember even to this day like I have a tiny gap in my two front teeth because I didn't wear my retainers enough. And now I'm like, it's the only thing I think about. Or I'll get one pimple on my forehead and I think I look like the dude from Goonies. The, hey, you guys. (laughs) I think Instagram specifically, all social medias that include visual stimulation, 
trigger that yeah. need for perfection. And, and it's really a problem for me and it's a problem for a lot of people. So as an expert, as we're closing out this segment, what's your advice for the, for the watcher out there who, even if they're not, I strive for perfection outside of social media. So it even doubles down on social media. But even if you don't strive for perfection, you watch social media and you feel bad about yourself because you're not this or you're not that. And then you, you try and do the fad diets because you didn't look like that model. And then you get like, you get drained. So then you're feeling sad and you're looking, it's just, it can be such a downward spiral. What is your advice? Because you obviously, this is, this is your study. You know, people can feel burnt out. They can feel completely useless. They can feel purposeless they can feel lost and and it can all be triggered from one post it can all be triggered from one thing you know what's your advice oh i know i have i've been there and even someone who studies this all the time i well it's i study it because i struggle with it and i think something to think about too is you know, if if you're on this self-love journey and trying to embrace your imperfections, like you're not going to be able to do that perfectly. You know, I'm I'm in the self-help world a lot and the personal growth world. And I think there is this idea that you're either, you know, someone who's really struggling or, you know, putting all this like negative energy, you're using social media um, to kind of drag down the world or you're over here like being overly positive and mm -hmm. overly like here here are the five steps to achieving like a, a peaceful life or happiness or whatever and even though those things are helpful and useful I think there's a middle ground that is reality and that mm. is more authentic. And that does show, okay, here, like, this is a, like, cool piece that I just wrote that I can't wait to share with y'all. Um, alongside, you know, a picture of me crying, where it was like, yeah. today was a terrible day. Yeah, I have, I have, I've had posts like that, where it's like, I actually have no advice for you right now, other than, like, some days suck, and that's okay. And then there's another you know, a picture of me dancing. That's like, you know, I like, I got some fun news and like, I'm going to celebrate like here's for celebration. And right. so it's, it, it, it's, I think that being able that, that is part of the vulnerability of social media is I think as long as we're able to be okay with who we are and that, that is what the studies show is the number one way to combat perfectionism is to cultivate unconditional self-acceptance because kind of to back up perfectionism really is that feeling what psychologists call a con you have a contingent sense of self-worth so this idea that i am only worthy of love and acceptance and approval if, if oh. i achieve something and it's killer because we live it's in a society killer. that keeps feeding us those messages. And mm. with what I found astonishing in my research was in the last 30 years, perfectionism has increased 33%. And that is mostly due to societal expectations. Mm. So there are actually three 
components of perfectionism. One is self-oriented perfectionism, which is kind of being hard on ourselves. The other is other-oriented perfectionism, which is people being hard on other people. So mm. if you, if I judge myself very harshly, I'm going to judge other people harshly, even if mm. like in my heart, I'm a good person. Like that just is right. what happens. And then the third is socially prescribed. So it's, you can look at it in terms of, um, academic institutions, workplaces, Hollywood, you know, Ugh. all these avenues that tell us we need to be perfect in order to mm -hmm. succeed. So we have kind of this coming at all angles and social media really is that perfect storm where it's coming together because right. you're putting content out, you're seeing other people's content, and then you have this like higher standard to try to meet, which is impossible. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you said it, social media literally is all of that and it's everywhere and it's so easy. And, and I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for, for giving all of this information. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to figure out how we fix it, what we can do to actually make a change about all of this madness. Uh, do not go anywhere. Elizabeth, Sue, thank you so much for coming on. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. 
It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily, as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, it is time. We are here. Everybody's, we're, we're all chilling, and we're talking about how we fix all of this, right? We're talk, we, we've been talking about the problems. We've talked about what's going on behind the scenes. How do we fix this stuff? I feel like it's kind of easy, but not easy, and it's just, I think it's just about how much time and energy we give into it, right? <laughs> 
So um, I, I, obviously it's easier said than done. We use our phones, especially if you are working from home or you are out and about, you're using your phones more than anything. And opening your social media apps is just as easy as opening you know, your other apps. So uh, what do you guys think is something that we can do to minimize, um, if we can't minimize the amount that we use our phone based off of our job or based off of you know, the fact that that's just who we are as humans right now, what can we do to minimize the impact that social media has on our minds, how that the impact that it has on our emotions and the impact that it has on our self-worth. Go for it, Queen. It's all you. I have so many thoughts. Um, one is is what Max was saying before, and it seems so simple, but taking breaks. That's like textbook. All the studies show that that's the way to distance ourselves from from internalizing those messages and from perpetuating that problem. And I think it's important. It's going to be different for everyone. Um, it's going to be very individual, but I think you need to take a hard look of, at your own patterns and what you know about yourself. So for me, I know that I have a very addictive personality. And so things are very all or nothing for me. So moderation is actually very difficult. I've had like mm. 30 different interventions with myself on how much, when I use social media, at what hours, for how long. And for me, I've decided that because it's such an all or nothing game, Sundays I take off. And my team knows that, my husband knows that, like everyone knows that. And so I think being upfront with your needs. And I similarly, I hide my phone and my husband has a much more healthy relationship with his phone and social media. And so we kind of joke that he's my personal assistant. Like if you need to get in touch with me, you reach out to him. And to me, it's like, it's, it is a sick addiction that I absolutely will admit that I struggle with. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I feel like the breaks are so necessary with anything in our lives, truly. I mean, it, it make, gives you perspective. It makes you feel like, oh, this is who I am when I'm obsessed with my phone all the time, yeah. or I'm missing out on these moments because I'm looking at Instagram, even when my baby's right next to me. Those kinds of moments are important for us to internalize. And then I feel like, yeah, it just gives you more of your, you're in the moment of this time in your life. Mm -hmm. But it also really does connect. And that, you know, as much as we talk about the negatives of it, I think realize what actually brings you the most joy from using it. Why do we right. actually care about these things? Every time we think about that, why do we care? And it's for me, it's like, I can't believe that I connect with, you know, somebody in Korea via Instagram. Mm, absolutely. And then we create something together. That's something that is such an incredible use of the tool of these social media. So I feel like when we pinpoint what brings us the most joy and subtract i don't need to go through the comments what am i doing right why, why do i why am i spending hours going through these comments right. how much joy is that actually bringing me with mm -hmm. any of these places i feel like the more we do that the better relationship we'll have with these apps that we are obsessed with well that's actually where i was going to go with this is like i don't think the answer is to delete social media like i like no. that's not because there are so many amazing things i got to feel like i was a part of your birthing of your first child <laughs> because and i and i haven't seen you in over year like over a year yeah i got to feel like i was a part of your process and i feel like we still get to have podcasts and we still get to connect with each other i met my girlfriend on social media like there is a lot 
that you get to do. There's so many amazing things about social mm -hmm. media. What to you... Uh, both of you guys would be something that I just kind of just spilled out everything that I love about social media. Uh, but for you guys, it could be something different. Is there anything specific about social media? You had mentioned, Max, about connecting with fans on the other side of the world and building a yeah. fan base. You used to have to tour everywhere mm -hmm. to build a fan. If you, wanna, if you want fans in Korea, you'd have to go to Korea and either open up for somebody or do a tour or sing on the street or promote your record there. And now it's a lot different. How do you feel? Oh yeah, it's that exactly though. It's and even more so in my specific position, there's so many artists that I'm connected with around the world. Like a great example is this really cool artist. His name is Keshi. He's the bomb. Mm -hmm. If you don't know his music, amazing musician. And uh, literally, we DM'd on Instagram, and then we both got you know COVID tested for a few days, and then he came over to my studio and we made some music together. And that was solely because Instagram connected us, and we saw mutual people that we worked with and stuff. But that was the means of how we not only went from point A to point B, that was, it was like a text message or anything else, but something public that we could utilize. So I feel like there really are some magical moments brought to you by Instagram or brought to you by Twitter and, and we can't discount those. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think about the, I, like our relationship, your and my relationship has been strengthened more on social media than it is everywhere else. I've met so many amazing artists in Australia. Cody, I met Cody on social media. Oh, and like, yeah, yeah. I've connected, yeah. With, I've connected with Cody from that. Cody plays saxophone, plays everything with Max. Oh. Literally, that dude, it's, it's insane. Cody.deer on Instagram. Make sure I met it. him on Instagram too. Great example. Exactly. He did a cover. He did a cover of one of my other group, this group called Party Peoples. He, he like just ripped sax over something and he posts these videos and he's been playing, he's toured around the world with us for the last two years because we saw a video of him ripping saxophone over our cover of Miss Jackson. So as artists, it's so, it's been, there are so many useful things. That's why I wanted to preface this whole episode with, I'm not anti-social media. There's just sometimes where it's really bad for me. But I do think it's important that we do point out there are amazing things because I think throughout this episode, if you don't appreciate it, then you can kind of fall into a like, well, whatever, let's just delete it. Um, outside of the artist world, Elizabeth, is, what for you specifically has social media really done in a positive way in your life? Yeah, you know what's surprising is it's actually helped my own creative expression and my own trying to show up in the world as my whole self. That's kind of one mm. of my 2021 intentions because I come from Silicon Valley. Like I had that whole life for a while and that was one version of me. And then I showed up in my business as this very like authentic, but still very buttoned up. It was like professional authentic. I still had that part of me that was you know, painting my nails like light pink, you know, and then I went through this whole phase of like everything was black and I was like in this rebellious phase. And now it's kind of coming into my own. And I see that it reflected in my feed. And I remember there was one day at the end of last year and I was just like, oh, this just feels too serious. Like, yes, I talk about a lot of serious topics and we go deep mm -hmm. and I love the heart to hearts. And at the same time, I was like that that also isn't all of me. I actually love dancing. I love 90s boy bands. So I started these uh, Instagram live dance parties, which was like so silly and weird. And but also that is as much me as talking about my history with an eating disorder or anxiety. That's probably one of the things that I've most gotten from Instagram mm -hmm. is the ability to just like 
play with who I am and to and to give myself permission to evolve as my writing evolves and my content evolves and my personal growth evolves. Yeah. Absolutely. So I have one. I have one last question for each of you, um, and I'll start with you, Elizabeth. I think a lot of the responsibility obviously falls on ourselves and how we view and how we how much time we consume and how much that we invest ourselves into other things. But I think a lot of weight also should be given to these social media platforms. And I think some platforms have done a really, really great job at, at you know, you have your TikTok. Um, they started implementing those. Like if you're scrolling for a certain amount of time, like a TikTok will pop up and it's that guy that everybody knows from Vine. And he's like, hey, you've been on TikTok for quite a while now. Like, why don't we take a break? I've had that. So I've had to hit that every night this week, honestly, because I've been a TikTok fiend this week. But there's some things or even Instagram when they wanted to start implementing not showing how many likes you get and not showing comments or um, you know, different ways. But I also think that there's a lot of things, especially in the visuals is really kind of where I am. We have all of these filters uh, on TikTok. And, and this is not to call any social media out. Again, we just talked about how much we love social media, but like TikTok has a mode that's called beauty mode. And I think that there shouldn't be like, in my opinion, I think they should remove it. I don't think that you should have a button that a kid presses that makes them now pretty because whatever was before was not beauty but now it's beauty mode or same with the face it's like you can change your face to look as the way that you want it to and and all of these things elizabeth how do you feel uh, especially as somebody who studies perfectionism um how do you feel social media apps and those platforms can can make even more change especially in the visuals uh and and the and the societal standard that that a lot of kids in today's world are uh, are going to be dealing with if things don't change. Absolutely. And I love the example the filter cuz I've been thinking about that myself because I I also sometimes most of the time use filters and oh I use filters <laughs> by the way that is not me being like you shouldn't use filters I use filters oh I'm gonna be I'm absolutely the kettle I'm the kettle and the pot at this point like I am <laughs> both um and it's all about to me it's like I, it's more so how do we all stop because I use beauty mode and I look at beauty mode and I go ah, I just wish I looked like that you know yeah. but no but it's not fair to say that yeah. And what's interesting is I notice all the filters that I use on Instagram are of like beautiful white women and I'm mixed. I'm half Chinese and I have had this whole very dark reckoning of my racial identity. And it has occurred to me like just the other day, I was like, gosh, you know, what is that message what am I sending to my subconscious every time I use this filter to be this like blonde, like blonde, blue eyed person? Um, and so I think we can go kind of even deeper there in terms of not just what the filters are telling us about beauty, but also like what are these filters telling us about race and our our ability to love ourselves just the way we are? And I think that's something that is very important to me as someone who studies perfectionism, because the number one combatant to perfectionism and learning to really love yourself is that unconditional self-acceptance and self-compassion. And so when you're constantly trying to morph yourself into what you think is better or what the world truly does perceive as more beautiful, because that that is the the zeitgeist, that's, that is what we have told everyone, then it just continues to perpetuate that 
problem. So I think you're onto something with with the filters. Um, and I mean, the other thing that just really gets me is that kind of infinite scroll of those visuals. And it's mm -hmm. it just it's this never never ending feeling of things could be more, things could be better, or I could look yeah. like this, or I could, oh, she's achieving that. And that that it manifests in the endless scroll. And it seems like, gosh, that's just like a, a silly feature over here. But I think inside of our minds, it kind of, it never allows that loop to close. And so at, even mm -hmm. after we put away our device, it's still going, it's still like, oh yeah, and this and that and that. And it's then of course, we're never gonna feel enough because Absolutely. we are flooded with these images that are different. Yeah, I mean, I open, I open up, I open up my fridge multiple times, and the same stuff is in the fridge. I'll open up my fridge five times in an hour, and it's going to be the same thing. So imagine if my fridge had a new thing every time I opened it up, I'd be opening it up every minute, you know. And that's to me what social media is. As you guys can tell, I'm very hungry. Um, Max, that's a good analogy. now for your question, you're kind of doing double duty. You and M are doing double duty at this point because not only are you living it and you are, for lack of a better term, feeding the machine by being a part of this, especially in a, in a huge way, you're mm -hmm. also having to be a parent. I remember watching a TED talk where um, Steve Jobs was interviewed about the new iPad and said, you know, do your children like the new iPad? And he's like, oh, they don't use, they don't use the iPad. Like they're not like, and I feel like a, most of the, most of the tech monsters, especially in Silicon Valley, they don't let their kids do it because they see the ugly in it. They see what's going on. And being a parent right now, like my sister has a, has a two, almost two year old and in my mind, I'm like, I don't know. What, what do you do? You know? And how do you even think about the next 10 years as your daughter, mm -hmm. as, as Edie Celine just grows up and has to deal with this? Are you planning? Do you have, do you have any idea of what you're going to do? I feel like it's just all I keep talking with Emily about is it, it's, if anything, it, it is more of a self-reflecting moment because I feel like it's just leading by example. I don't, mm. don't want to, if I got to use my phone and or I do all of these things. I don't want to. I don't want to be a hypocrite to her. I, I feel like the only way I'm going to be able to do it is tell her, you know, if if I'm on my phone too much, then I feel like she's going to soak that in. So yeah. I hope that we can just be. You really want to be the best example, but by doing that, it's a responsibility to say, well, then I really do have to hide my phone, or when I don't really need to use it, or tell her I'm on my phone because this 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 manager texted me about this song. I I'm not ignoring you. It's like yeah. the communication is interesting. And Emily has a really intense psychology of it because she was a nanny for seven years and she mm. babysat and was the nanny for so many other people's kids. And I think that made her feel like, oh man, I don't want, it's the same thing. She's like, I don't want to ever have a nanny. I was a nanny for seven mm -hmm. years. Just like how these, you know, Silicon Valley people feel. But, but I do, I feel like anything that we tell I tell my my baby she can't do. It's just going to be the opposite effect. She's exactly. Like, but then why? Th then why why are you, you doing it? Exactly. Or why can you watch TV or all these things? So I feel like I I, I the only thing I'm going to know how to do is be able to say you're right. I'm going to stop watching TV mm -hmm. and go outside and play with you because I don't I don't want to limit your experience with the world. And I think that's the other thing for parents. You've already experienced it, and you want to be better for your kids. But you know I'm super new to this game. But all I can think is like, but she hasn't experienced anything I've experienced. Right. She doesn't, she needs to, she needs to explore the world so that she knows what she likes and she doesn't like, then hopefully we can instill some values in her to, to make those choices for herself. I just want to mm. 
keep trying to do that. But it is tough. I have a little baby cousin who's now nine and she's iPad obsessed. Like yeah, well, that's the thing too. All the phone stuff. It's not only how you treat your children, but then she's going to go out into the world where there's other kids who aren't being, reg like they're not being regulated. They're not being led by example. And then she's going to see, pick up on that. Oh, she gets to bring her iPad to school. So during lunch, instead of running around and playing tag, she gets to play, you know, Clash of Clans or you know, I don't know what the, yeah. whatever the kids are playing these days. But it's like, there's just, it's everywhere, you know? And, and yeah. right now, the negativity is everywhere. And I think that's the biggest thing is how do we as not only adults and not only as, you know, people who are, are very fortunate to have a following on social media, how do we change the conversation, not just for Edie Celine, not just for my niece yeah. Mila, not just for that, but for the future of this is where reality is going to sit now. This is, and social media is, is very gapped from reality at the moment. And I think how do we close that gap and get it as close as we can? I think it's always gonna have a little bit of a filter on it and that's not bad yeah. to have a little filter on it because it's fun. And, and it is sometimes a good way to get out of the world that you're in at the moment and feel like you're in another place and, and kind of how concerts are for some people. You know, sometimes social media can be that for me where I'm like, I'm having a really bad day. But if I look at a hundred memes, I'm gonna be really, I'm gonna be in a lot better yeah. of a mood, you know. So how do we change that gap? I, uh, your title, the titles you said, I think that's a big thing. It's that is that is messed up. There shouldn't be a beauty mode. That you yeah. know, we shouldn't. I think you can't like again, you can't get rid of filters and all these things. But I do think how we title them is important. I wouldn't want Edie to see a mode that tells her this is what beautiful is. It says yeah, beauty, and, and then it changes what or she ugly looks like, mode or right. whatever. You know that kind of stuff. That definitely that that feels like a choice yeah. for these apps, which are tools to make mm. to say we shouldn't say this because to this especially tiny human, they're reading that and, and they're that's, assuming that's, that's what the they're world learning. feels. You know which one I like though is the baby one. That one that filter is great because it's no it's not offensive to anybody. You're a baby. It's not, you're just well, a baby. That's a great example. Like that's yeah, a you're perfect. Just a baby. Let's okay. I'm gonna start a petition right now. We're gonna make baby mode the only filter allowed, or old people. Like remember the old people one? Yeah. Like you get wrinkles and gray hair. Those two are totally fun. I think those ones are fun. And it's and other than that, we I, I think I could do without. But I I think you're right. It's it's just how do we change the narrative? You know what is how mm -hmm. what do we what do we change about it? Do we fix at, fix beauty mode so that it's just set to like you know, lighting mode. The titles yeah. are definitely toxic. I think my biggest takeaways are that we allow social media so often to govern us. When in reality, like you said, and my favorite, I think one of my favorite lines that you said today is that we, it's a tool. It's not a, it's not our life. It's not our, it's not our responsibility. It's not like our, if, if we deleted our social media tomorrow, then we're just going to continue going on about our lives. So if we think about it in that way and we take the weight out of it and understand this, is the other thing is like, understand that everybody is thinking what we're thinking and everybody's, mm -hmm. we think everybody's going to judge us, but everybody else is worried that they're going to get judged as well. And it's just like, how do we, mm -hmm. how do we alter that? And so if you're listening to this, I'm so glad that you got to listen to two amazing guests on this episode who have a, have an awesome grasp on things. And, and I'm so grateful for both of you guys coming on. Um, this is the wrap up segment. It's called Shameless Promo. And I just want you to talk about everything that's going on in your lives, where people can find you on social media, where they can find your authenticity uh, on, on social media posts and all of that. Um, go after it, Elizabeth. Let's hear it. Where can we find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Hey Elizabeth Sue. That's H-E-Y Elizabeth. 
Sue, S-U. You can also sign up for Monday Vibes, my newsletter, which is super fun on my website, elizabethsue.com. And then as you mentioned, my biggest project right now is my book and finding a good home for that. So if anyone knows of a literary agent or someone in the publishing world that would be interested, shoot me a message. I'd be grateful to connect. That was, oh my gosh, Max, you got to follow that up. That was, that might be the best shameless promo that like just, it was just so clean. It was precise. Everybody knows where to find you. Everybody's excited. I'm excited. Do you have a title for the book yet? I have a tentative title, Flawed. Ooh. Feeling worthy in a society that demands perfection. I love those books that have, books that have a colon just are, are automatically big bestsellers for me. Like I'm, I'm going after it. Max, <laughs> baby, talk to us. My shameless promo. Uh, yeah, my album, Color Vision, is out. I have a deluxe version with a bunch of goodies on it coming out in, I think it's early March. I got pushed, poopy. But anyway, yeah, you can check that out. Uh, and then, yeah, at Max Music and at Max where I got lucky, like YouTube and stuff. But, you know, some, <laughs> some, some hockey player got it on Instagram. So at Max Music, go for it. Ugh. Don't you hate it when your name just gets taken by somebody I else who has ask, your name? Like, yeah, man, come on. You're, you're not... I'm going by this one very hard to Google name. You Can go, you name? use your last name. I don't You're use my last name. <laughs> literally, as a hockey player, you literally use your last you name. You have to, on it's your... on your shirt. Your My name Honestly, is on my shirt. Your last listen. name's on your shirt. This is my, Max, I don't even know your last name. I forget it. But if you're listening, if you're a big fan of Alex's podcast, give me my damn name on Instagram. That's our friend. second petition. It. We got two petitions going on. One to get Max's name on that. Instagram. <sighs> give it to me, man. We it's want okay. it. Whatever. Um, want it. I'm so I'm so happy. Yeah, make sure you guys listen to Color Visions. Color Visions is great, and if you're lucky enough, you'll get Color Visions hoodie. That's how you know you're a real one. Um, I still rock my Color Visions hoodie to this day. Uh, you guys know where you can find me at Alex Iono A I O N O. Best part about having a weird last name: you don't have to compete with hockey players. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. This is the end of Let's Get Into It season one. If you want season two, make sure you tweet iHeart. Let them know that this is what you want. This is how badly you want it. Uh, I love you guys. Make sure you rate our podcast. Make sure you subscribe. That's how we continue to grow, and that's how we get season two. But until then, love you guys. Peace. We really want you to get the help you need. So if you need help, please seek independent advice from a competent healthcare or mental health professional. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the podcast author or individuals participating in the podcast and do not represent the opinions of iHeartMedia or its employees. This podcast should not be used as medical advice, mental health advice, counseling, or therapy. Listening to the podcast does not establish doctor-patient relationship with hosts or guests of Alex Iono, Let's Get Into It, or iHeartMedia. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on this podcast. Oof, that's a doozy. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. 
I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast, will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.